Cinephiles, audiophiles, ladies and germs, welcome to the Film Called Podcast. Tonight, the pioneering Afro-transcendentalist and ambient artist, Laraji. Laraji, how are things? Things are going good. Uh, my attitude is great. Weather is fine. Health is great. I'm eating well, doing lots of interviews, and looking forward to the day's release of Sun Piano, a solo piano album. So what brought upon this new chapter in your life with, with, with this new album? Oh, yes, yes. Warp Records suggested it about two years ago after listening to a recording that of a concert I had done in California. It was supposed to be a zither concert, but there was a grand piano on stage. So I suggested they leave the piano on stage and I would incorporate it in my concert. The concert was recorded and eventually... Matthew Jones at Warp Records heard that he was unaware of my piano interest, and he began hinting that I should do a piano album. And so about a year and a half ago, a friend in Brooklyn suggested a particular church, and uh, Matthew Jones came over, and he set up the situation, and I spent two days in that church recording on this great grand piano. So the suggestion of warp and also uh, the back burner, eventually I knew I would get to record a piano album because it's my major instrument. Well, what originally drew you to the piano and what was it like coming back to it after some time? My exposure to the piano, first exposure was in the context of church, Second Baptist Church of Perth Amor, New Jersey that my mother was a very strong church-goer, and she took the, her sons to church with her. And the early part of the day was Sunday school, and about an hour, hour and a half later was church service. And in that hour and a half of nothing happening in the church, especially in the basement where the ch- piano was, I would take the liberties of improvising on the piano, either uh, just meddling with the piano or just being impressed with the kinesthetic expression, interaction with the piano, cause and effect. Piano is such a percussion instrument. So my mother felt that, gee, maybe he was serious about this. She put a piano in the house and, and financed my piano lessons, early piano lessons. And so there I was off and running around the age of 10. Uh, studying piano. Uh, now, a piano has always been in my life, but it never made it its way onto a recording like this. And here I am on a great grand piano, concert grand piano, in a church, empty, of course, so it's like a full circle, me doing this serious piano album in an empty church which is uh, an extension of the church I first started playing a piano in. And it feels good. It feels also uh, anticlimactic in that uh, I've been uh, playing the piano for so many years in the background, and here it's stepped into the foreground. And uh, I just know, after playing for so many years and knowing people love my piano work, that 
here it is a chance for the my global audience to finally hear what I do with the keyboard. I like that it was kept simple, no effects, just straight acoustic piano, well mic'd by Jeff Ziegler, and well mixed by Christian Hobbins, and now released under the skillful watch eye of Matthew Jones at Warp Records. Well, I think this is one of your best sounding records. I, I think it, the production on it is absolutely fantastic. What was it like working with Jeff uh, Ziegler on this new album? I'd say it was flowing, smooth, continuous. Um, we were patient and tolerant with each other's needs. Um, the recording itself happened quite effortlessly. I was impressed with uh, his mic placement around the church, capturing um, angles of sound that I probably would not have if I tried to record it myself. Very professional. And um, at one point, we were waiting for the uh, masters to get mixed, and uh, we learned that he had had some studio issues where he had to shift his location, which slowed up the uh, mixing process for a month or two. But after that, we were back and rolling again. And uh, Jeff, I've worked with before as a sound, he was a sound person for a concert or two that I've done somewhere in the area. So he's a quiet, gentle being. Well, when did you start noticing that a whole new generation was discovering your work? Was it when you performed with people like Solange, or was it even before this? I think when I was working with, uh, um, oh gosh, I've got the name group for a moment. <laughs> uh, uh, the first group I, I worked with, uh, gosh, uh, a male and female duo that... Um, I'm just drawing a blank right now. But um, anyhow, that was about six years ago, and we recorded on Revenge Records. That uh, working with a young group and, and improvisationally, and when we toured Europe, that. Uh, the, the young audiences were there. And I guess that was um, one of my exposures to how the young audiences were uh, relating to me through their association with a uh, younger performance artist group. And working with Sana Ra, that... Uh, help expose me to more of the young audience. Well, taking you a little bit back, did you know who Brian Eno was when he approached you at Washington Square Park beforehand? I didn't know much about him. I just knew that he was somebody who had worked with Fripp and and that I it was suggested that I should connect with someone called Brian Eno. I knew nothing more about him. I didn't nor his music, nor his status, nor that he was even in the United States. <laughs> so uh, 
the night that he left the message for me to contact him, it was like a, a big surprise, and I could feel like uh, this was um, a significant departure onto a, a more global stage, an opportunity to have my music heard on a more global stage. 1978, um, I believe, 78 or 79. Is there a certain genre that you have always wanted to delve into? I thought I wanted to be a jazz keyboardist when I was young. I used to listen to so many of the jazz keyboardists like uh, Oscar Peterson, Earl Gardner, Andre Previn, Ahmad Jamal. So piano was the key. Composing for piano and performing on piano was uh, the center of my focus when I was young. Uh, I thought it would happen around the age of 30 or 35. And uh, so that's the genre, jazz piano. And so ambient music wasn't even in my eye or experimental new age healing trance music was not even in my imagination at the time. Well, can you take us through how your method of laughter meditation came to be and how you could see that playing a role in how the world is changing right now? Laughter meditation happened after years of doing stand-up comedy, then a lull after I realized that stand-up comedy wasn't psychologically healing and that it it polarized audiences. Somewhere around 1981-82, someone made me aware of... Rajneesh, Osho Rajneesh, a spiritual teacher who was promoting various forms of meditation. One of them was laughter meditation. It was the first time I heard the word laughter and meditation used together. And I thought, how interesting. And I followed his recipe of laughing for seven days in the morning for 15 minutes before getting out of bed. Open your eyes, don't open your eyes, do some stretches and dive into your laughter. And I did this for seven days, and I taught myself how to get into my laughter very fast. And I also became aware of the advantages of laughing lying down. The entire body gets into the release and opening. And eventually, that exercise, I started sharing it with my uh, music education uh, workshops at different conferences and the laughter workshop developed into a workshop all its own up through the 80s and 90s into uh, 2000 and what it has done it has uh, helped me to uh, look at music more therapeutically because I used music during the workshop to relax people even deeper after the laughter section of the workshop into uh, deeper meditation So the laughter work showed me, uh, uh, or it inspired me to think music, think more therapeutically about music. Also, the laughter work involves my own opening up into a playful spirit. And uh, the laughter showed me how to be more playful, more uh, exploratory, more experimental, and taking more chances with music to um, open up into spontaneity, more spontaneity and a more joyful spirit with musical creativity. Well, would you say that after all these years, 
that music is the best medicine or do you stick by laughter? I have to say both are great medicines. Laughter is more portable. It's something that anyone can take, a medicine you can take without a musical instrument. And you can be in a remote location where you're near, not in near a musical instrument or a radio, but you can still access your laughter. So on that front, laughter is the, the best portable medicine, uh, best convenient medicine. Sound is a medicine that we can use uh, passively, can take passively so that there is less effort involved in taking music as a medicine, put on good headphones or good speakers or a concert with a good sound system, and you can be immersed in sound vibration physically. So music can be a very physically, psychologically, emotionally immersive experience, and you can take it in passively. Laughter you you can be immersed in someone else's laughter and be moved and touched and uplifted. But to do your own laughter from the inside out is an internally immersive experience. And it's uh, been medically documented as having many health benefits that, la- that music might not address as acutely. But laughter can work your whole endocrine system, your lungs, your your abdominal organs, your thyroid, thymus, your immune system, your brain, and the release of endorphins and uh, hormones. So you see you have two very good medicines here. Well, what do you make of what's happening with the uprising in the streets? Do you see real change coming from this? Uh, I see a release. I see a conversation. I see thoughts being stimulated into thinking, uh, rethinking systems, rethinking approaches, uh, rethinking identities, rethinking the names for our identity. I think uh, we will not go back to the old normal, uh, but I think change from uh, the streets might be a stubborn move because I think there's a strong psychological, ingrained psychological patterning and conditioning that has to be addressed. And uh, on the surface, we're saying we need change. We want to address these deeper psychological patterns and conditionings. But is there enough of the right stuff to move the right forces toward that kind of change? I'm not sure yet. There might be a let's wait and see. Maybe the protest will die and we don't have to make a big real change. Or maybe the protest will get more intense and we'll have to change the guts and substance of the system to meet the new demands. What was it like studying in, at Howard University, uh, the, the composition and piano? Do you feel like you gained a lot of skills here? Or was this kind of just giving you the foundation that you would break later just playing playing by yourself out in the open? The latter sounds more like what Howard gave me. It gave me the tools for navigating uh, through music uh, with a compositional head and with an exploratory mind and with the uh, skills as a keyboard major to maneuver through the keyboard and the, 
and the technique for keeping my skills up. Um, Howard did not address the my uh, love for pop, jazz, R&B, and experimentalism. It more prepared my facility and my respect for classical music, uh, an appreciation of classical music, and also a respect for classical sensitivity in the creative improvisation process. More of the jazz, freeform, experimental, ambient uh, direction came as a result of experimentation, hanging out, jamming with other musicians, um, either at Howard or after Howard when coming to New York and finding the, my own peers in the musical jam circuit here. What were some of the formative artists uh, when you were a youth that really helped shape who you would become as an artist? Andre Perevin was one of them. Uh, Nacking Cole, Harry Belafonte, uh, Liberace, uh, Florian Zabak on the violin, uh, Oscar Peterson, the way he handled the piano, Ahmad Jamal, the way he handled the piano, the Isley Brothers, and the way they would uh, give performances. Um, I would imagine those artists I had visual and audio uh, connection with. So their visual side of their performances was an inspi inspiration. And also the um, the enthusiasm and the coolness with which they handled their particular instruments. Well, can we expect another uh, piano album to come from you in the future? Well, this one is actually a series of three. There one, the second one will, of this will be released in uh, September or October. It's called Moon Piano. And the third, about a month or so after that, which is called Through Luminous Eyes. And all the material of these three albums was recorded during the two-day church session in Brooklyn in 2018. Uh, so after this album, I've got my eye on um, more albums involving overdubbing, in other words, two pianos going at it the, to really open up the piano into a more chorusy kind of experience. And all, but more piano work, yes, it feels so good now that I've gotten the ball rolling. I'm glad that you got the ball rolling. It sounds absolutely fantastic. Can we expect a, can we expect a piano tour uh, coming up from you when the whole COVID thing is over? I expect so. Uh, the talk has not been specifically about piano, but uh, two of the dates coming up in September and October are really rescheduling of concerts that were canceled this past year. Uh, the idea of doing a piano tour is definitely in the uh, ethers and the fantasy books. Once the album is released, and then the booking company, Q Junctions out of England, will probably start noting um, offers for a piano tour. My concern is that it may be a tour that wants to involve everything that I'm doing, 
from gong work to zither work to inspirational vocal work to piano work. But I will welcome solo piano tour dates. Being with the piano would be a joy. Well, Laraji, it was an absolute pleasure speaking with you today. The impact that you've had on ambient music is far-reaching. And I hope that this is a new chapter in your music opens up an even wider audience. So I am grateful for your enthusiasm and your positive thought on that. Thank you. Thank you again. It was it was an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Be well. Peace. Peace. Thank you for listening. Make sure to pick up Laraji's brand new album, Sun Piano, and look out for the releases associated with Sun Piano coming up. This concludes our broadcast day.